this little session you're going to do is going to really help you understand what to do with your movement and what to do with your diet, right? Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hello, my friend. I am so excited to be hanging out with you today. We're going to be talking about how to commit to a workout schedule. This is something that I have been working on over the last long time. I started working out August 3rd after like three years of wanting to do it, but not committing and just like not prioritizing it, not taking it seriously, starting and stopping and starting again, making up excuses, saying it really wasn't that bad. And like it was, it totally was. And so I wanted to share some of the strategies that I've used over the last six or seven months to just highlight maybe some areas that you can improve upon, maybe some strategies you haven't thought of before. So this all started around 2019. I started feeling like I was ready to work out. I had gone through a bunch of like chronic issues, including having an eating disorder, including like totally ruining my body by having an eating disorder and working out too much. I was doing CrossFit, I was running, I was doing triathlons, I was a mess and I wore out my body and it took me a really, really long time to recuperate. And by 2019, 2020, I was in a pretty good place, but then I didn't really know like how to go about it. And I I think it was a mixture of fear of messing myself up again and also just laziness, to be honest. I didn't have the motivation to really change anything because I didn't notice much. And like I said, I made up a whole bunch of excuses like just saying, you know, like I walk enough and then I got a step counter and I walked like maybe I would get 1500 steps in a day. (laughs) And so like it needed to be addressed. And around the same time, my mom started dealing with some health issues. We were seeking a diagnosis for a couple of years and finally got a diagnosis of Parkinson's. And just watching my mom go through this process and just understanding that upon deterioration of your body, kind of like some of these things is are too late. Like, yeah, you can stop the muscle from deteriorating further, but you don't really have a lot of muscle to begin with. And just started evaluating my own life. You know, if I were to get hit by something, I knew that I wasn't strong enough to maybe be able to handle those sorts of things. And so just watching my mom struggle really encouraged me to kind of take a inventory about where I was at. And though I did feel like my diet was super dialed in and has been for a bunch of years. And I feel really good about it. And I have a really good relationship to food. 
now. I was also really cognizant of making sure that through starting working out, I wasn't triggered in any of my old patterns. And that was really important to me as I kind of sat down and said, like, okay, how are we going to do this in a healthy way that actually works and I can actually commit to it and actually do it? Because it's one thing to wake up on a Monday and be like, I'm going to do this. And you're like, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week. It's going to be great. I'm going to get a trainer, blah, blah, blah. And it just like doesn't happen. (laughs) So that's really where, where I want to take this thing today and how I started. I started with one workout a week and I said, okay, I am just going to start working out, watching this video and doing it. I got a couple dumbbells for my house. I got an eight pound, a 12 pound and yeah, I think an eight pound and a 12 pound. And I just started with that. It was really discouraging. I couldn't do much. And I was like, everyone's got to start somewhere. And so I did that for a couple weeks and things were going good. Then I started doing walking. So one time a day I would walk. I didn't set a goal of when, how long I would walk. I just said one day, like one time a day, I would leave my house and go for a walk. So then I became super consistent with that. And so then I started saying, okay, well, on Tuesdays, I'm going to do my YouTube videos. On Fridays, I'm going to do my YouTube videos. And every other day, I'm just going to add variety. So where I went out of the house every day for a walk, I would do a walk or a bike ride. Walk, bike ride, walk, bike ride. And you can hear, right? I'm starting to pick up my activity. Now, this was like over three months, okay? This was not like week one, this, week two, no, 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 no. The goal here was to remain consistent at the level that I could commit to. That's it. Like, that's all I could do. And so then I started just slowly as time went on, instead of doing two workout videos a week, then I did three, then I did four, then I did five, then I did six. To get up to six workout videos a week took me about six months to really consistently get into it, look forward to it, want to do it. It took me six months. Now, the workout videos that I followed were from a website called Nourish Move Love. A friend had recommended it to me. And interestingly enough, my really, really dear friend, Erin, texted me the same day that I started and said, hey, have you heard of like Nourish Move Love? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just started it today too. So it was really, it was really fun to get going with that. Now here, if you check out the Nourish Move Love website, I highly encourage you to do so. Her workouts are so great. Any of the workouts where Lindsay and I think it's Rachel, yeah, Lindsay and Rachel are both together, you know that you're going to have high intensity and low intensity workouts. So that's really, really good if you want to start like slow and move your way up. So I started with their 030 program, then I did their Hit Strong program, then their Split Strong program, then just a random one month plan, another random one month plan, and then their Hit Strong. And by the time I did hit strong a second time in that sixth month. I was like, okay, this is like pretty easy and I've seen results, but like, I really want to pick things up. I want to go to the gym and I want to actually start doing this more consistently. And I knew, you know, to go back to the reasons why I knew I was not ready to to go to the gym. I wasn't as as self-conscious I looked around for a gym for quite some time. Then that overwhelmed me and I just decided to go to our building's gym. There's a building that we stay at frequently where our boat is docked and that building has a gym. And so I started just going to that gym and getting a feel for like, what is it like going to the gym? Do I like this? 
I really enjoyed working out around a bunch of 70-year-olds. That felt like super awesome for me. And then after I kind of graduated from that area, I found a gym, like a local gym, where there's mostly a bunch of elderly people and it's just super chill and nobody's judging people. And that was really, really important to me because I just get totally stressed out and super prideful and just terrible being around all of that. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not a good place for me. You might have other triggers when it comes to going to the gym. That is mine. And so it was really important to me after those months and months and months of working up to this, I found a place where I felt safe and welcomed and like, I wasn't going to be compared to everybody. And I know that that's so much in my mind, but it's still important to think about, right? Because if you don't feel good in a place, you're not going to go to that place, right? So what I, I really want to highlight here is that it didn't start with me saying, oh my goodness, I need to work out. I need to go to the gym. I need to do it four days a week consistently. No, that totally would have stressed me out. I never would have done it. Maybe I would have done it for like two days. I just would have gotten overwhelmed. And so I just want to encourage you. This is not a race to the finish line. It's not a huge sprint. This is a lifestyle shift. Very similar to everything else we talk about here on the podcast, right? It's so much better to just start slowly. In future episodes, we're also going to be talking about shifting macros and supporting your diet through exercise. And what I've personally been doing, which I found to be quite effective. In fact, I had a neighbor lady I was walking home from the gym today and she's like, have you lost weight? I'm like, nope, I've actually gained 10 pounds. And she's like, everything just looks different. I'm like, thank you. So my goal right now to kind of fast forward to month seven of doing, or I think we're almost on month eight of doing this is I really want to gain a lot of muscle weight, at least 13 pounds. That's my goal. So to kind of go through the process again, right? Started off really slow with something that I could commit to. It's all about consistency, my friend. Like, It really doesn't matter how much you commit to doing something. If you're not going to actually do that something, it's pointless, right? So here are some ideas around like setting goals to kind of help you with the flow of things. Understand like sort of where you want to take things in the next X months. So for me, I didn't even get that far. I was just like, I want to move my body and I want to see what I can do that's consistent. And I had no idea that at the six or seven months, I think it was around seven months into it, that I would be going to a gym that never even crossed my mind. I just thought I would be very happy working out from home consistently. And then I just got to the point where I was like, actually, I want to see if I can do more and something different. Don't start out where you want to be in X months. So let's say, you know, I want in in six months, I want to be down 20 pounds working out six days a week for at least 45 minutes with 10,000 steps a day. Okay, that's great to have a goal, but don't start there, right? Like we need to build up and set practical goals. Can you even hit 10,000 steps a day? That takes me about an hour and a half to two hours of walking, It took me like seven months to get up to that consistently, not only for like physical ability because, oh man, it was really hard to get walking more because my feet hurt so much. My legs hurt all the time. Oh my goodness. Not so much anymore. Yay. But it was, how do I structure my schedule around this? How do I structure my life around this change? There's so much to this. It's not necessarily like, can I physically do this? Maybe the answer is no, which it was for me for sure. But like, do I have the space in my schedule? Are my Is my family on board? Am I able to shift things around to make this work? And so 
by looking at it this way, we're far better off to actually hit these goals and actually progress and be consistent than we are being like, Monday is a new day. I'm going to change everything in one day and it's going to be great. (laughs) You know, recently, now this is to fast forward and we'll probably talk about it in future episodes. Recently, I've really been dialing in on my macros and trying to like figure out how to best fuel myself. And it's required me to track. I don't like tracking. I don't like tracking. I just find it like stressful. So I'm trying to have a different approach to it. And I started off with tracking like every other day and now I'm tracking every day and now I'm changing my macros. And last night I just like went overboard. I'm like, I'm going to try to plan out my day tomorrow so that I'm less stressed tomorrow. That didn't work. It was so much. And I was like, I I pulled off too much. So now I have to backtrack. That didn't feel good. Let's back it up. Not to say that I can't do that in the future, but I need to shuffle around some things before I commit to that more fully. Know that it's not going to be an enjoyable process, okay? Setting goal, in the whole setting goals realm, if you guys follow me on Instagram at Leanne Vogel, you know that every time I worked out, I would make a story being like, I don't want to do this. I, it is 3 p.m. I've been telling myself I need to work out since 6 a.m. And I'm, I'm forcing these shoes on my feet and I'm going to do the workout, even though I'm going to hate every moment of it. And I'm going to hate after it. And I'm just going to hate all of it. (laughs) And you, this might not resonate with you, but I, I don't like enjoy working out. It's not like my favorite thing. I know that it has shifted over the last couple of months only because I'm starting to see progress and I've kind of gotten to the groove of things that I enjoy doing and I'm lifting heavy and it feels good and it's helping my mood and I'm getting up earlier in the day and I'm sleeping better. So I'm starting to like see the benefits, which makes me enjoy it more. But those first like six months, I gotta say, didn't enjoy it, but I do it because it's good for me. And to go back to my sto- the story of my mom, I do it because I know that in future it might really, really help me. Like I, I I knew, I knew I wanted to work out. I knew that I wanted to move my body daily, but I knew that really setting, setting that goal up front would not be sustainable. So instead I set the goal of being like consistent as much as I could. Have I drilled this idea into your mind enough And understand that there will be setbacks and days that you don't feel good. Around, I think it was like November, I got like super sick. I always get like one sickness a year (laughs) and it like knocks me out. And I thought I was better. So I started working out again and I was not better. And I was super frustrated because I didn't want to like lose the motivation. I think that's the thing that scares probably most people the most is not necessarily losing the progress, but it's losing the motivation to continue to show up, right? Like we all, we can all attest to this. You start off really good, you get sick and then like you want to go, but you can't go. And it just, then all of a sudden you don't want to go. And so you don't go. So then it comes into just like setting goals around diet. And I didn't really have a lot of issues here. I've spent years dialing in my diet I think the places where I knew I was weakest was too much fasting, which then caused me to eat way too little throughout the day or caused binges later in the evening. And so I really just like sat down around month three. I had been consistently working out for three months. I still hated every minute of it, but I was just noticing like, if I want to become more serious about this, I can't 
wake up, start working, and live on electrolytes until 4 p.m. until I literally eat everything in sight and then do repeat, right? Another weakness of mine was not eating enough protein. So I started calculating out kind of how much I was eating on a daily basis. And I was eating around 0.4 grams per pound of weight and of my weight. And that's like not enough. Usually it should be like, especially if you're working out around 0.8 grams to one gram per pound of body weight. So for example, I'm 160 pounds now. Crazy. I started off around 150, I think 150, 151. So gained a lot of muscle mass, really excited about this. And so I need a lot of protein. I'm currently eating around 160 grams of protein a day as opposed to the, I think when I started, I was sitting around like 40 or 50 grams per day. So big shift there. And again, that took time. That was not a, oh, hey, tomorrow I'm going to start eating 150 or 160 grams of protein per day. Like no way. That took me almost two months to get it like feeling good to the point where I don't really need to track the protein. I understand how much and how it feels and what it looks like on my plate, da, 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 da. Another downfall was like choosing fries too often. My husband loves eating out. And usually when we eat out, I'll get like something low carb and then I'll have fries. (laughs) And so that was happening like once or twice a week and it was just adding up. And, you know, it's really hard to find a place with really good fries. And I'm totally down for eating super good fries. Like, uh, what was it? New York, New York fries or what do they call them? It was really popular in Canada. Their fries were incredible. Most of the stuff I eat generally is really terrible. So why would I eat fries that just taste bad? doesn't make sense. So with the setting goals, what I really, really want you to understand is to sit down, like spend 20 or 30 minutes over the next couple of days, or even over the next couple of weeks, maybe that's too long. Let's go with a couple of days and just assess what can I commit to? Where in my schedule could I do a workout from home? Or where in my schedule could I go for a walk? Or where do I really feel like I could dial in my diet? Like, come on, you know, at least I would think that you would know where your diet needs to be dialed in a little bit, right? Of course, the little tweaks you might not know about, that's why you're here. And we go through all those things and give you as many tips as possible so you can try on different things and see what works for your toolbox. This little session you're going to do is going to really help you understand what to do with your movement and what to do with your diet, right? So again, let's say that you want to, I don't know, gain five pounds of muscle mass. And you're like, okay, I need to go to the gym. I need to do this. I need to do that. Where can you start tomorrow? Maybe it's walking, you know, parking farther away and walking into your work or shifting up your step goal. Maybe it's tracking your steps. Now, you don't need an Apple Watch or an Aura Ring or whatever to track these things. You can get a free app on your phone. It's not going to be absolutely accurate only because you don't have your phone on you, hopefully, 24-7 while you're walking around your house or you get up to go to the restroom from your work. Maybe you leave your phone on your desk or whatever. But just to start playing around with this and start shifting about. And I found that that really, really helped with my consistency. Everybody says that when you start a ketogenic diet and the further you get into your ketogenic diet, the more free from hunger that you are. 
I never really experienced that. Yeah, there have been times where I just haven't felt like it. And for sure, I can fast longer than I could ever be in glucose field. I've been keto off and on since 2014, primarily spending about 70% of my time in a state of ketosis. And I can tell you my snack game is just as strong as it was when I was fully glucose fueled. The only difference is that I crave meats and fats. Whereas before I could be found with maybe a little bag of popcorn or some sort of sweets. I really liked jelly bellies. So I don't think my snacking will ever change, but definitely the quality of the products and just the structure of what I'm eating has definitely shifted. I will always have a bag of macadamia nuts or a protein bar or paleo valley sticks in my purse. Now, I really love their beef sticks. I am obsessed with their garlic summer sausage. All of my friends know that the way to my heart is through a paleo valley meat stick, and many of them stock them in their homes. So when I go over, I have a snack. It is so sweet. Now, paleo valley just released their pork sticks, their maple bacon flavor. I've had the chance to polish off two full bags of them. I can tell you that they are absolutely delicious. So tasty. If you want to give them a try, just go to paleovalley.com and check out all their snacks and drinks. They have a list of their pork sticks. They also have a link to their grass-fed beef sticks, which I am in love with. Their superfood bars also are pretty darn good. So again, that's paleovalley.com. Use the code KETO. Once you've loaded up your cart, KETO, the coupon code, will give you 15% off your first order of beef sticks or pork sticks or superfood bars. Anything you can find on there is 15% off with the code KETO. So. I want to go through the full plan. I wrote this down. I checked through it multiple times to make sure that it was good because if you're struggling with consistency, you might find that following a plan similar to this could be really helpful for you. So here's what I did. Month one and two, I I worked up towards working out two days a week and biking or walking two days a week. My water intake goal was one gallon per day and no fried foods. I could eat out, I could eat whatever, just no fried food. Months three and four, my goal was to work out every day, every other day, sorry, every other day, and biking on days off from working out, okay? So workouts were considered anytime there were like like a HIIT workout or a strength workout or even like stretching, those sorts of things. So working out every other day and then biking on those days off from working out My water intake goal was uh, one gallon. This was the area where I finally started hitting that. It took me about three months to like consistently drink a gallon. And then I was like, wow, this was so hard to do. But now I couldn't even imagine drinking less and no fried food. I stuck with that. I was like, no fried food. Just don't do it. Months five to six, I started going toward the goal of five to six workouts per week. So Then I played around with one spin class a week. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just get a feel for what it's like being around other people, working out. And I did that for about two months and then realized I didn't really like it. But it definitely encouraged me to like get out, you know, get in the car or pack up my stuff and walk to the place and do the stuff. I started challenging myself to go up in weights for my dumbbells at home. I got a 20-pound dumbbell or like two 20-pound dumbbells, some kettlebells, some 25-pound dumbbells, and started kind of playing around with that. I was still hitting one gallon of water. This is around the time that I started emphasizing protein intake. 
trying to have like a solid amount of protein in every meal, aiming for, because of my weight, around 150 to 160 grams per day. Now, this took me like a good amount of time. I only just hit this recently at around month seven, eight. It took me a long time to like figure out how to do this because I, I know how to hit fat. Like I got that down. But I remember when I started eating keto, it was the same thing. Like, how do I get my fat up? This is ridiculous, right? So it's just being mindful and really getting a feel for what it looks like on your plate and what it feels like in your body. During months five and six, I also continued the goal of no fried food. I did have one night where I had fries. They were pretty good. I really enjoyed that. It was a really, really nice, it was a really nice treat. So in each of these months, like for example, month three and four, my goal was to work out every other day. Took me a while to hit that, but I knew that I was ready for month three and four because I was consistent with month one and two. Like I was consistently working out by the end there. The last couple of weeks, I was consistently working out two days a week and I felt really good doing it. I was biking or walking two days a week. My water intake was struggling. I hit the no fried food piece. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for the next phase. So the biggest result that I noticed was my sleep improved. My love handles are pretty reduced. My legs are far more toned. And yeah, like I said, At that point, I had lost six pounds, and now I'm gaining muscle with a very different program, which we'll talk about a lot later. So at this point, around the six-month mark, I kind of felt like I had hit a plateau, and I was kind of looking to deepen everything, and I was actually amazingly motivated to like find a gym and do that. And like I said, I started going into the gym at the building where we stay often, I started playing around with machines and and doing the Smith machine again and just getting a feel for it. Because if you've overcome a severe chronic illness, you know that there's like this period of time where you're like, I think I'm health, like I think I'm good, but I also might not be good. And I just don't want to like fully commit to this if my body's going to get angry and hate me again, (laughs) right? And so I just, I didn't want to go full, full blown on this thing and then have a relapse, which I still have not thank God. I felt really good throughout all of this. And I've been really, really, really mindful of my exhaustion, my energy, sleep, eating, all those things. So I kind of around that six month mark, I had been doing Nourish Move Love exercises for six months consistently with the goals that we just talked about in the previous little section there. The problem I started having with the Nourish Move Love exercises, and this probably won't be you when you first start. If this is where you need to start, I love these exercises. I'm so happy I did them. I recommend them for people who are starting out. I recommend them for moms who just don't have the time to go to a gym or have the time to figure out what their program needs to be. I am in love with these exercises. I started not seeing the same results that I did initially. I found that most of the workouts, my heart rate was getting way too elevated. And so I was kind of like missing that fat burning zone and I was just doing cardio like every day and I just knew that I didn't need that. I felt like I was always rushing through movements and my form wasn't as focused and this was really helpful initially when I had lighter weights and I was learning how to do movements. But as I got more and more serious about it, I started like rushing through things to keep a timer and it just wasn't wasn't working. And especially with the movements as you start to train your body, you really want to push past that like 
but muscle fatigue, right? Like the last couple of lifts should be the most hard and you should feel like you there's no way you're gonna be able to do it and you push through it, you grit your teeth and you get it done. It was very, very rare that I was having those moments in the exercises. I found that there wasn't enough breaks between sets. So oftentimes we'd go from one thing to the next and have like no break. And that is awesome when you're first getting started. So you don't have that moment of like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, I'm just gonna, this is, this is a good workout. I had a little break. This is good. I worked out. Let's go, <laughs> right? Like I'm done. So that started to become an issue as I started working out more. Now, this is a little bit controversial. So I'll just kind of leave it with you and you can decide. I'm not a huge fan of compound movements. So this is where like two or more movements are stuck together. So for example, if you think of like, if you bend your chest forward and you do a row and then you take those dumbbells, those same dumbbells, and then you push it over your head for an overhead shoulder press, right? So you usually, generally for most bodies, you're going to be able to do a row a lot heavier then you are able to do an overhead shoulder press. I'm actually doing the movement so that I make sure I, I explain it correctly, right? So like, for example, now my row is 30 pounds. My shoulder press is 20 pounds. If I were to do a row with 20 pounds, I'm not fatiguing that muscle. Like I could totally go heavier. And so when you're doing compound movements with the same weight, it doesn't allow for a heavy enough lifting pattern and some movements. So like I said, the row and the overhead shoulder press, mine right now are 10 pounds apart. And that's that's a big difference when we're trying to train up these muscles. And I found that there were just too many full body workouts and not enough rest days in between. So as you start to progress in your workouts and you're increasing your severity and you're increasing the intensity, I was sore all the time everywhere because there were full body workouts and then the next day was a full body workout and the next day was a full body workout and I was just sore. And so now I've switched to upper cardio and abs, legs, right? So we have a little bit more time in between places to fully recover. And another issue I started having is that my core wasn't as strong as I, I wanted it to be. And I just felt like I didn't have enough time in the workouts to dedicate to abs. And a lot of trainers will say, you know, like abs are incorporated into the workout, but you really have to target your abs in order to target your abs. So while I loved, I love, 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 loved the Nourish Move Love exercises and they helped me through the first six months, I really just outgrew the process. And that's, that's all. And I really wanted to share that um, so that you knew if you embark on something like this, or you're currently working through something like this, and maybe through hearing today's episode, you're like, oh yeah, there are things that I could shift or change, or maybe I was pushing it too hard. Or maybe I'm not pushing it enough, or maybe I'm doing too many compound movements. And she's right. Like if I do a row, I could go much heavier, but an overhead press, I can't. And so all those things are really, really helpful. And it's just good to know when you've outgrown something. And I think that's something we really, really struggle with. I'll never forget the woman in Texas. We did a signing in Houston and we were like upstairs in this like bookstore. And she said like, I, I love the ketogenic diet. I've been doing it for three years. I lost 40 pounds. All was well. And then just like slowly, it just stopped working. And like, I keep trying to do the same thing that I was doing before, but I just, it's not working. 
And I think that's what so many of us do. We have success on this certain thing that we're doing and everything's really good. And then all of a sudden it like stops being really good. (laughs) We're like, am I broken? What's wrong? What's going on here? And oftentimes it's a sign that we need to shift. And that was really that sign for me of like, okay, I need to shift things around. This is not working. So month six, I really, you know, did that sit down session again and kind of determined, okay, what do I need to do here? What do I want to do? What do I think I would benefit from over the next six months to a year? What do I know that I can commit to now versus no way? So here are some of the things that I determined. I really wanted to shift away from hit dominant workouts. I wanted to shift away from doing cardio every day because that's really what it ended up being. When I was doing the workouts, my heart rate was like severely elevated And I wanted to focus more on like targeting the abs as opposed to just doing workouts that include abs. Like for example, a standing shoulder press will kind of include abs, right? Um, Lunges will kind of include abs. Like your core needs to be engaged, but it's not like a direct ab exercises or direct ab exercise, I should say. And I wanted to focus more on lifting. I wanted to keep load on the muscle throughout the movement I wanted to build the courage to join a gym. That took me a little while. I really love it. Like I said, I found a good gym that I really, really love. Now, when it came to diet, at the time of planning this episode and kind of going through what I wanted to say and all the things, I wasn't tracking. But over the last week or two, I've started tracking because I'm going into more of a bulk period where I'm eating like a whole bunch and I want to gain muscle more than I want to reduce fat at this point. And so I'm prioritizing protein at every meal. Like I said, I'm hitting around like 150 to 160 grams of protein per day. My strategies for this initially were protein powder, but I haven't been doing protein powder all that often. I found like my groove with other things, which is good. It's always like, you know, when you start the ketogenic diet and you're like, well, I guess I could have MCT oil again because you're just like, how do I get all this fat? And then over time, you're like, no, I got it down. I don't need MCT oil. I got this dialed in. Uh, So that ends up being around 40 grams of protein per meal that I am um, committing to. So like I said, this is a progression. There, there, There is no way that in August 3rd of 2021 or 2022, what year is it? I'm totally confused. August 3rd of 2022, when I set off on this journey that I could have increased my protein, started lifting, doing cardio twice a week, doing targeted ab exercises. I'm spending like two hours in the gym, like no, tracking my food, increasing my protein. What I've been playing around with is targeting my carbohydrates before and after workouts and then going keto for the rest of the day. There is no way that I could have started there. It would have, I would have fallen flat on my face. It wouldn't have worked. Even step goals. So around month six, I determined that I really wanted to start hitting a 10,000 step per day goal. It's, I'm not consistent with it yet. I'm definitely trying. There are more days where I hit like 9,000 than none, but the 10,000 is really hard for me. And so I'm not beating myself up over it. I'm just like, once I get consistent to this, I know that I can add more on. Maybe it's shifting up my training schedule. But guys, if we are doing too much all at at once, at least the type of person I am, it does not work. And I started sharing this kind of strategy on my Instagram. And many of you said that you wanted a podcast episode dedicated to like this process and what it's looked like. And so 
that's this of just baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. So I wanted to go through some of the questions that were submitted on my Instagram. There are a whole bunch here. I don't know if we're going to get through all of them today, but I'll definitely try. And if not, I do have another episode of this kind of series working out with me scheduled in a couple of weeks to talk about more of the macro stuff and what I'm doing with the food. So if we don't get everything today, we'll go through the rest next time. So one of the questions was, I really bad arthritis on my knees. Does the stationary bike count as steps? I love this question. So rewind to 2013. I was running in the most epic race that I had qualified for. And two months before the race, I had some sort of, I can't even remember, it was some sort of knee injury. And my coach said, there's no way you're going to be able to run this race. And I was like, I will figure out a way because I cannot miss it. This is huge. So I did deep water running every day for like an hour and a half. I did the same amount of running on land that I, like the same amount of running on land that I would do, I did in water. And that was my fastest race. That was my fastest time. I ended up being in the race and did it. And I was the best. I beat my PR. And so have you thought about deep water running or water aerobics? Super great stuff. Really awesome people in those classes. I really enjoyed my time. So I would do the class and kind of learned all the strategies. And then after all the students would leave, I would stay and I would just keep on running. So have you thought about doing something like that? I mean, ultimately, the goal with a step goal is less about steps and more about just being active. So if walking just isn't an option for you, and I know when I first started, I was lucky to hit like 3,000 steps in a day before my legs hurt just like so much. I have super high arches, and so it just, they hurt. And it took me a long time to like be okay. But even now, if I do a 10,000 day, which is consistently happening about three to four days a week now, then it does hurt. It does hurt. So yeah, stationary bike, deep water running, any of those things, water aerobics. I love water. It, it creates such a strong body without all of the, the impact. The next question, how to start and build on nothing, very little. I think I covered this pretty well today. If you guys have questions, the best way to ask is by coming on Instagram and just sending me a message. That would be probably the best way. Or you can email me by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact if you just have more questions about this strategy. But really, it started off with um, two dumbbells and YouTube. You don't even... A lot of the workouts on Nourish, Move, Love don't even require weights, or you could even do the weighted workouts without weights. Let's talk about the symptoms of hypochlorhydria, also known as low stomach acid. Abdominal pain, bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, undigested food in your stool, acid reflux, heartburn, sound familiar? Out of all of the patterns I see in my clients' hair tissue mineral analysis and even in their blood work, low stomach acid is a huge issue. 
What helps stomach acid? Sodium. If you're on a ketogenic diet, chances are you are not consuming enough sodium. Now, sodium is the body's great solvent. It's a primary alkalizer and it influences stomach acid levels. If you're dealing with allergies, abdominal bloating, depression, dizziness, fatigue, low blood pressure, poor di protein digestion, like you eat some protein and it just feels like it sits in your stomach, even weakness can be because you don't have enough sodium. Now, my favorite way to boost my sodium on a daily basis is to take at least three packets of Element electrolytes per day. That's a little bit hardcore for most people, but I tend to be a little bit more adrenal deficient. And so taking these electrolytes while I'm eating a low carb or even as deep as a ketogenic diet just takes things to the next level. I've been using Element here for over two years and I can say they are the best electrolyte powder, hands down. If you've never tried Element or maybe you just haven't found the right flavor for you, you're in luck. My friends over at Element put together a really sweet offer for us. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share them with a friend that's maybe on the fence about joining your electrolyte party. Get yours by going to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. So you must go to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. Element offers a no questions asked refund also. It's totally risk-free. So if you don't like it, share it with a friend and get your money back. No questions asked. Again, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash K-D-P. Next question, does working out mess with your hormones? A moderate workout has me feeling super tired later in the day. Yeah, totally it can. That, that was a huge, huge, huge concern for me. The only way to really know is to test. My favorite way to test hormones is through urine. The Dutch hormone test is what I use with my clients. I find it super helpful if your cycle is regulated. Like if you have like a good regular cycle, that will work. If it's all over the place, I would do blood work. And in that blood work, I would test for FSH and LH. That way you can see where you were, you were at in your cycle at the time of testing and kind of map out your progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. I would definitely check your DHEA. That's a huge part of it. And if you um, default to more of the like depleted area. Like if you're more of a depleted person like I am, where just your body is usually like not hungry and more leans toward weight loss as opposed to weight gain and times of illness and those sorts of things, then chances are your DHEA is going to be lower. In fact, let's go through, yeah, let's go through some symptoms of low hormone function to tell you whether or not you could be experiencing it. So in relation to the DHEA, fatigue, brain fog, decreased stamina, decreased muscle mass, lowered libido, rapid aging, lowered immunity, depression or mood changes. Another one that's probably going to come up if you're fatigued after a workout is a low free cortisol. So that's going to include free fatigue, weakness, joint pain, poor recovery from exercise, unstable mood, anxiety, jitters, depression, shaky or lightheaded if a meal is missed, unstable blood sugar, dizziness upon standing, reduced stress tolerance, allergies, food sensitivities, digestive issues, cravings for salty foods, lack of sex drive, irregular periods, amenorrhea, infertility, 
So these are two areas that if you're having those symptoms, it could be really beneficial to test uh, with the Dutch test and kind of determine where you're at with all of that. Next question. Can I come back to Florida and work out with you? That would be so fun. I know who you are. Yes. Anytime. (laughs) How do you get all 10,000 steps in? Okay. This is a great question. I super love this question because I have lots I have lots of strategies and they include shaking my phone while I'm sitting. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't do that. Okay. So making sure that you have some sort of step counter, that's ideal. For the first like seven months, I used my phone and I just downloaded a free app because I wasn't going to get a watch or a ring or whatever. I currently am waiting for an aura ring, which I'm really, really excited about. I did a ton of research and I determined that this was the one that I wanted Um, especially because it does such a great job with HRV. And that's something I'm working with my chiropractor on quite well is like fixing and supporting my nervous system so that my HRV increases. And so, yeah, you need a step counter. So that's step number one. Step number two, I find it easier to break it off into chunks. And so the days where I start my day off with a walk, I consistently hit 10,000. When I just like wait and I'm like, no, I'll do it later. I'll go for a walk. It just never happens. So I usually take my dog first thing in the morning before we do anything. I take my thyroid medication and we go outside and we go for a walk. And by the time we get back, I've already done three or 4,000 steps. And I'm like, yes. And then it becomes really easy. So if my schedule allows, which... (laughs) It doesn't always, but when it does, I go for walks after I eat. That's a great way to get a thousand or 2000 steps in. That's really great. Also, I will park the farthest away from everything always like doesn't matter. I'll arrive early to places so I could walk the farthest away. And that's a really, really good way. And then I usually like to go to the gym in the afternoon. That's usually when I have like a lull in my schedule before another client and I'll just go quickly and get to the gym and then have clients in the afternoon. If I haven't hit my step goal by the afternoon, I go on the treadmill and I just get it done. If by the afternoon I hit 9,000 steps on the treadmill, then I'll just leave the rest of the thousand to like walking around the house or our parking to our home is very far away. I've counted it's 800 steps to my car just one way. And so that helps a whole bunch, but it really depends on the type of person you are and how much you can take on. But really remember, like start with lower, you know, look at just have the step counter for a week and not pay attention to it. And then just see what your average is and try to go up by 500 every week. So if your average was 3000, then the next week, set a goal for 3,500. Then the next week, set a goal for 4,000. And the next week, set a goal for 4,500. And just slowly increase from there. The next question, cardio versus strength training. Can you avoid cardio altogether? Okay, so I'm not a trainer. I don't pretend to be a trainer. I know that I've trained for many, many years. And I'm really, really, really thankful that I get to go back into it. And I've had many different personal trainers and trainers over the years. I think we need just a little bit of cardio. Now, the interesting thing is if you track your, like if you're doing some pretty heavy lifting and you track your heartbeats, wow, that was a really difficult birth, um, your heartbeat, I find that I'm in a state sometimes of cardio just by lifting, right? So we need to think of that. But generally speaking, if you want to lose weight, especially getting in that kind of cardio zone and kind of being around that cardio zone or right below and that fat burning zone is going to be important specifically to burn through calories. 
Do I think that you need to do it multiple times a week? No. Right now with the plan I'm doing, fast forward to like month eight in this whole adventure, I'm doing two cardio days a week dedicated to around 40 minutes of cardio during that day and then an ab workout. So I don't think you should avoid cardio altogether. I don't think that that's a good idea. I think one or two sessions a week when you're ready for it, make the most sense. Next question. I'm having trouble increasing weights. My muscles are so sore. Help. Oh, okay. So the concept of progressive overload, oftentimes we think like every time we need to go to the gym, we need to increase weights or at least once a month, we need to increase our weights, but then we can't. And what do we do? Okay. So the first part of this increasing your weights, progressive overload is so much more than just weight increase. So you could look at tempo. If you're not familiar with tempo, I encourage you to go on Google and look up what tempo is and how to do tempo for different workouts. Because what I see a lot is like people will do a chest press and they go up and down, up, down. Or if they're doing like flies and they're swinging the, they're swinging the dumbbells, that's not a proper tempo. And of course, you're not going to be able to increase your weights if you're doing that because you don't have the proper load on the muscle in order to build the muscles. You're not going to be able to increase in the weights. So progressive overload can also mean taking your time with it, understanding your tempo, and you can progressively overload the muscle and build the muscle while not having to increase the weight. When it comes to your muscles being really sore, now, again, not a trainer, not fully like qualified to like answer this fully, but what I've experienced is when your mitochondria are sideways, this is the energy center of the cells, when they're not functioning optimally, you're going to deal with a lot more DOMS than other people, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. Another issue is hydration. Another issue is electrolytes, and we should be having at least 3,000 milligrams of potassium per day and at least 5,000 milligrams of sodium per day. So if you're not hitting those, that could be totally your problem. And improper workouts, like I said at the beginning, well, in the kind of middle, if you're doing chest back to back, of course, you're going to be sore. You need to give your body at least about three days to fully recover before you hit that muscle again, especially for women because we have lower testosterone. So we need more recovery. And especially for men who are getting older, they're going to have lower testosterone and require more recovery. So that's it for the questions today. We have a whole bunch more, so we'll cover them in our next episode. I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today, and I hope something that I shared was encouraging. It's really fun when I get to just hang out with you and be in your ear. And yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me, or you can hit me up on Instagram at Leanne Vogel. Okay, I will see you back here next week for another episode. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. 
please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 